What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Ish, and welcome to the 24th episode of the Ish Condition Podcast. After my four-month journey where I studied abroad in Rome and traveled across Europe, I've officially returned back to the good old U.S. of A. and decided right away that it would only make sense to pick up the mic once again and talk about the game of basketball. Today, I welcome in the host of the Anything is Possible podcast, Clint Leal, talk all things centered around the NBA Eastern Conference semifinals. Quint, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just glad to be here. Been enjoying some good basketball as of late, and there's a lot to be talked about. So, yeah, it's game time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as an NBA fan, even though the Bulls didn't make it into the playoffs this year, um, I've really enjoyed watching the games, and the, the playoffs have just been super exciting. So, first... Let's, uh, let's dive right into the topics. I want to talk about the Warriors versus the Lakers. Obviously, there have been many incredible individual rivalries in the basketball world throughout the 21st century, and Steph versus LeBron might be the king of that discussion. They've matched up 46 times, including 25 times in the playoffs, where Steph is 16-9 and against the King. Both of them have cemented their legacies as the greatest at their position. Who has the most to lose in this series? Man, that's that's a great question. That's really like an all-time question. And um, so far, LeBron has the arguably the best playoff resume of all time. Like I do deep dives into stats, and I try to figure out all these things, these little arguments that are actually big arguments. And for LeBron, he's played in 50 playoff series so far. Most of all time, I think by maybe five or six playoff series over Kareem, I believe. And he won 78% of them. But he, he has struggled in the finals. But... um. This kind of like taking the aggregate of how impactful he's been over his playoff series. He ranks first in the playoffs, just in general. And looking down that list, I have Curry at 10 and then Kevin Durant at 9. So I feel like there's a lot of movement that could that could go up. Like there's more that Curry can go up than LeBron can really come down. And if you, there's, there's some things at play. I feel like um, Curry wants to win back-to-back on his own without Kevin Durant, which I feel like is very big for his legacy. And LeBron wants to win now because he's not getting any younger. And um, he's put together this roster with AD who could barely make it through a season. And I feel like their time to win is now. Um, But you know what? Like, just because um, either, if either one of these teams, these stars wins a series, doesn't mean that they win the West because they still have to face off against either Jokic or Durant Booker, which, man, that's, that's tough. I feel there's more to lose for the front offices in both these situations because the Warriors have got some fit issues, and I feel like they got to move a star to gain more size and more defense. And um, the Lakers, I just don't know with their, with their two stars that are, you know, aging and, you know, health. Like, there's just a lot on the line for both of them, and I'm, I'm curious your, your take on this. Yeah, it's a very unique answer. You brought you brought up a lot of great points. And honestly, I agree with a lot of those points. But I'm focusing on terms of more of the players rather than the front office because even though the front office is the ones moving the chess pieces, the players are the ones who actually play the game. So I would yeah. say Steph has the most to lose in this series because in terms of the greatest player of all time debate, I truly believe that LeBron is locked in at two. And he's only going to go up if he wins one or two more championships at this stage in his career. On the other hand, Steph is the greatest shooter of all time. 
He changed the game of basketball. He's a four-time champion and a two-time MVP, one of those unanimous, and the only unanimous MVP in NBA history. In my opinion, I believe he's the greatest point guard of all time, but there are a lot of analysts and basketball aficionados to think that Magic is the greatest at that position, which is totally valid. Therefore, if he wins this series and hypothetically wins a title with Golden State, I think that will catapult him as the greatest point guard of all time and most importantly, solidify his spot on the Mount Rushmore basketball players. But if he loses, it won't affect his legacy that greatly, but analysts will use this as another reason why He's not the greatest point guard of all time. And this will be another reason added on to the 2016 finals where he blew a 3-1 lead to none other than LeBron James. Yeah, those are yeah, those are all great points. Like I do feel like there is a big conversation happening right now about positioning for like the Mount Rushmore. And it's really it's really Curry versus Magic. And I I I feel like a lot of times people like to defer to their to their elders and also a lot of the people that are in mainstream media are of aren't Gen Z. They're not they didn't grow up watching Curry, you know, during their like young years. They didn't grow up watching Curry per se. Um they grew up watching Jordan and, you know, Magic, Kobe, you know, just, just different different generations. So they like who they watched growing up, whatever. And I feel like one thing that you and I can both recognize is that what Curry's doing right now, he's what he's doing is he's, he's, he's dominating in the best era of basketball thus far. And obviously, Magic was a trailblazer. Um, and um, I, I don't know. I feel like um, it's, it's so interesting. I, I want to bring up a side argument here is that we like, we're talking about Magic as a point guard and Steph as a point guard. And I feel like um, it's such a uh, – the narratives are – for narrative's, narrative's sake, we like to talk about positions and make it like the end-all, be-all. Like, who is the best point guard? But in reality, Magic plays more like a small forward LeBron James than he does Steph Curry. And Steph Curry plays more like a shooter than he plays like a point guard. Like, a sh- you know. So I feel like yeah, there's, I a, there's a lot of subjectivity out there. And I, I do feel like this win for Steph would definitely clarify a lot of feelings that media people have about him. The old heads that are a little stuck in the gutter. But I do think that um, Curry has more years to to win. I do feel like this is one of the most important ones because if he wants to chase a fifth ring and maybe even potentially a sixth ring, he needs this, he needs this to probably get a sixth ring, which would really put him into like the goat tier conversation. This is just another playoff run would I think push him into that same would solidify him as the best I guess quote unquote point guard in the NBA. But there's a lot to be worked out there. I think it's a good conversation, though. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great like uh, lunch table conversation for sure. And that's that's something about the goat debate as well. Like, it's just a great, it's great for the media. It drives like a lot of different narratives. There's a lot of different viewpoints, and most importantly, it's very entertaining to watch, especially when Stephen A. just screaming his head off about MJ and using words like blasphemous and. It really is entertaining to watch. I do agree with a lot of the points you just said, though, with the subjectivity of, you know, the point guard position in basketball. Because I feel like in today's game, it's very positionless. And a lot of old heads would see Steph as more of like a shooting guard rather than like a true point guard. Because like guys like CP3, I feel like that he's they like that guy, like Chris Paul is the embodiment of a true point guard. But at the same time, I feel like Steph has just changed the game of basketball. And he's really established the game as 
uh, fluid. You know, I think that's what makes the game of basketball so beautiful is that it's very fluid. Uh, people are in the right position at the right time. And I feel like Golden State does a really good job embodying that. But yeah, I mean, I feel like you did make a point how like Steph, you know, he's still going to be great for a lot of years. But at the same time, I feel like the Warriors championship window is closing. So she yeah. has like Draymond and Clay getting older. Um, Wiggins, he's obviously a really solid player, but he's not really getting that much better. Jordan Poole struggled in the playoffs. And I just feel like what's made the Warriors so great and why they've won those championships is they've been so deep in terms of their bench, like having guys like Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, you know, good blue guys like that. And I feel like besides Kevon Looney, the Warriors have been kind of lacking that this year because like Gary Payton hasn't really been playing that well. And Jordan Poole struggled, so it's. I like what Gary Payne did this game, this most recent game. I, I, I think. Uh, well, this is just a. What, do you think there's a chance that the Warriors can come back three to one? Do you feel like there's a chance? Oh, absolutely, there's a chance, a hundred percent. I feel like in today's game too, anything can really happen because with Golden State is they really rely on the three point shot, and if they really get it going, and obviously if like. Anthony Davis, God forbid, if he gets injured or something like that. Um, there are a lot of variables at play. So if like something like that happens on the Lakers side, and Anthony Davis is very injury-prone, so if he gets hurt... If um, AD is out, AD is their best player. If, you know, regardless, um, if, if Anthony Davis were to go down, they wouldn't have a, cha- a chance at winning the championship, let alone the West. Absolutely, I 100% agree. He's their best player, I definitely, Like you said, there's definitely a possibility where the Warriors can come back 3-1. to one. But I feel like the Lakers are red hot right now. They're playing their best basketball at the exact right time. I'll I say this. They're going to come back 3-1. to one, It's really going to be yeah. tough winning three yeah. straight games against LeBron and this, honestly, this deep Lakers squad. Yeah. yeah. Dude, really. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is, like, the mentality um, going forward for the Warriors has to, been, has to be this. All they have to really do is win two games. If they can win at home and take care of what they're supposed to at home, all they have to do is use that momentum and be confident in their identity and win one in LA, and then it's it's anybody's. It's real, it, you know. They say you have to win three games in a row, but in reality, mentally, you have to win two games, and then the third game, I think, will come. I, th- I yeah, have to say that momentum is totally on your side. I 100 percent agree. I think it's so possible they did it against OKC, which was uh, probably which was a better team historically than this Lakers team. So I think it's possible, yeah. But there's a lot more playoff series going on. That, uh, That's true, but at the same time, that Warriors team won 73 games. Fair, that fair, was fair. Steph's unanimous MVP year, and they were just more stacked, I think. And they just had they just had really good savvy veterans like Iguodala mm-hmm. and Sean Livingston, and um, Clay yeah. was in his prime. Draymond was actually hitting three point shots. Prime Sean Livingston. Um, Prime Sean, Sean Livingston. Like you can't guard that. Yeah, he never missed a mid-range shot. I mean, you have to never. Me the I've never seen. I've never seen a miss mid-ranger from Sean Livingston. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, all in all, as a basketball fan, it really has been a blessing watching LeBron versus Steph series again. I mean, it brought me back to the days where I was in middle school and yeah. watching those two duke it out. I mean, either way, no matter what happens, I think we can all agree that Steph and LeBron are probably the greatest players of our era. Yeah, I think Kevin Durant um, could definitely come through the back door and do Absolutely. something special this year, too. But definitely, they have the spotlight right now. Yeah, uh, now to switch gears, I want to talk about the Eastern Conference and the Knicks versus Miami Heat. It's been a very physical series thus far, just like it was back in the 90s. But Miami has taken control, leading 3-1 to one 
thanks to the play of Jimmy Butler, who has been absolutely magnificent throughout these playoffs. If Miami wins this series, do you think they have a legit shot at making a title run? Oh, absolutely. I think they're just I think they're built to do that. I think a lot of people will say that the bubble was a fluke. Um, I feel like in the Western Conference it was more of a fluke because there's no Katie and no Steph Curry, which were really the guys that were running that conference. But um, I feel like there's all these other arguments. But as far as this series goes, like this series itself, the Heat have leadership. They have defensive switchability. They've got shooters. And they've got Jimmy Butler, which make up the key ingredients to another finals run. And I think the Knicks... They they lack a lot of offensive continuity outside of Jalen Brunson and like a few role guys. I mean, like the poster child of you know sucking at doing, making decisions on the offensive end is Julius Randle. He is, as a Knicks fan, growing up part time Knicks fan to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Julius Randle to me is like Anthony Mason with MJ's confidence in mid range, and that's problematic. And that's why he's, you know, losing the team about three points per game, just being super inefficient. And it's hard to watch. But, hey, I feel like the Knicks, I mean, anything could happen. We're going back to the Garden for game five. But I do feel like the Heat just have a poise to them. And, like, we don't talk about him enough, but I think Kyle Lowry is, like, he's a great locker room guy. Um, He's a champion. And I feel like, uh, he's a spacer. Kevin Love, same situation. Like he's doing a reverse. Uh, he's doing a reverse LeBron, going from well, going from Cleveland, yeah. taking his talents <laughs> South Beach. And I, I feel like uh, this team, they've got the role players, they got the depth, and then they got the star who is a very con- Jimmy Butler. Is just he's there when you need him. He did yeah, it against he's the Bucks. From a different cross, for sure. Yeah, he's. I think that he's looking great. What are your takes on that? Yeah. The one thing I've learned about these 2023 NBA playoffs is that you can never count out a Jimmy Butler-led team. Miami's first round oh, matchup yeah. against Milwaukee, Butler put on a performance similar to Wade in the 06 Finals, averaging 37.6 points, 6 rebounds, and 4.8 assists. So far against New York, they've really had their way, leading the series to the one. Besides Jimmy, though, You've got to give credit to Eric Spolstra, who has implemented and successfully executed zone defense, which has really put the Knicks in discombobulation. I think the Eastern Conference Finals will be a rematch between Boston and Miami, where it will go at least six to seven games. I agree. I mean, the Celtics have improved their roster last year, since like last year, adding Brogdon, who won the six-man of the year award. Great pickup. Jalen Brown continue to play at a high level. I think Miami, like you said, has the personal, pers- I mean, has the personnel defensively to match up with Boston. And both teams have arguably the two of the best coaches in the game. So this series could truly come down to which superstar performs better in the clutch. So I think Miami's going to beat New York. And then I think they're going to battle it out against Boston. Yeah, I-, I feel like, yeah, I feel like looking in the, I guess, I mean, just looking at the potential Eastern Conference Finals, I would agree with that matchup. We're going to talk about the, that next series in just a little bit, but I do feel like Boston just, they have the identity. They, like, how they play, I love how Boston plays. Like, we'll talk about that in a bit. But um, I feel like that'll be an interesting, like, matchup. Like, probably the best offense in basketball versus one of the best playoff defenses in basketball. Two of the, two of the better coaches in the league. 
and a young star versus a veteran that's looking to get his chip. I feel like Jimmy Butler. I mean, I, you're like a you're a Bulls guy, so I'm sure you might see some of the MJ DNA in him, like quite yeah, maybe literally. You know, I wasn't alive for the Jordan years. I do see that in Jimmy. Yeah, it's actually crazy. Like, um, I, I I'm trying to figure out. I feel like there's a specific archetype of player that Jimmy Butler that Jimmy Butler is that reminds me much of like. He's like the Kawhi Leonard that we're missing from this year's playoffs. Like that's a, how I would describe him. Yeah, definitely. You know? He's he really this run that he's having is very reminiscent of Kawhi's 2019 playoff run with the Raptors. Yeah. Except that, but the thing is that's different from this one is that this is an eight seed. Like Toronto was a one seed when they were, or they were a two seed, I think, when they made their magnificent playoff run. So like. Really, everyone count out Miami, especially when they lost to the to the Hawks in the plan. I think a lot of people counted Miami out, which was a really <laughs> dumb mistake because that only pissed off Jimmy, and he went absolutely god mode against the Bucks and tore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he tore Drew Holiday to shreds. who's arguably the greatest or the best defensive player in the league. So, I mean, this guy's a man. Dude, the- that that was that was wild to me because I I feel like I think Kevin Durant said. That Drew Holiday is his he arguably his best defender in basketball. Yeah, he did. And say Drew, that. yeah, his his defensive versatility, um, guarding uh, basically point guards, shooting guards, forwards, and just doing it effectively, and you know sometimes being in the post is crazy. And Jimmy Butler just babied him. Like I've quite yeah. like that was surprising to me. Like I, I don't yeah, know. I mean, if he I'll, babied Holiday. I mean, he babied Middleton. Um, I mean, even when he was in the paint, attacking the paint, Lopez couldn't do anything. And Lopez is going to be a first-team all-defender this year. Probably could have won defensive player of the year. I mean, it's actually, it's a, it's crazy. He just, like, tore apart the box. There's no answer from Milwaukee. And, and, yeah, I mean, and he's just like a, I mean, he's just going to keep on going. Like, the thing about Jimmy is he will not quit. There's no quit in that man. That's not in his vocabulary. He's just going to keep on going until he holds yeah. up the, the Larry O'Brien trophy. Dude, he has it. He has it. And not to stray from our flow here, but this is a little sub discussion I was thinking about is we just talked about the Bucks. I feel like they're they're a team that I'm just trying to figure out their off season. They just lost Coach Bud. Um they got an all time great on their roster and like they got a bunch of old guys. Like what do you think um about the Bucks situation and what, what their outlook is like for the off season and future years? Yeah, that's a great question. And now that you brought that up, I mean, Drew Holiday had a career year. He's probably going to be All-NBA third team. Yet in the playoffs, I mean, granted, the Bucks weren't at full strength. Like, Giannis missed two games. But in okay. those moments, that's when a guy like Drew Holiday is supposed to step up, and he really didn't step up. I mean, he was okay offensively, and then he got shredded on defense. I mean, Jimmy Butler absolutely cooked him. Like he, he stole his lunch money and just ate him up. It was, yeah, it was dude. an absolute... And if I have 30,000, 40,000 I mean, people. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks make a move for Dame. I don't know yeah. if they have enough assets to get him, but it would definitely be interesting to see Dame they get a flip Middleton. I feel, I feel like they got a flip Middleton. I don't, I don't yeah, feel Middleton's like probably value's gone. there. Yeah. But he also, I think he's a free agent, which is the is the issue. Like, I'm curious what, how that's going to um, turn out. I mean, they're going to do a sign-and-trade. Yeah, one one stat I'll give you just to um, 
I mean, not to hurt Bucks fans, but also you you have to face reality sometimes. This is coming from Nick's guy. Is that the Bucks have the least draft capital over uh, the next nine years? No, actually, over the next seven years of any team in basketball. It's pretty bad. The only other yeah, teams I mean, that I have. I mean, if you have less yeah. draft capital than the Clippers, I mean, you're in trouble. It's tough. It's tough. Like, they're so all in, and they also have the oldest roster outside of the Clippers, Lakers, and Warriors. So I feel like. Um, I don't know. I, I'm curious if Giannis is going to stay. I feel like he's going to stay, but then again, like the NBA is where unpredictable things happen. And if you're, you know, a guy I mean, it's in your like twenties, like movement. like anything can happen. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, yeah. So if you want to talk about next series, yeah, I mean, that's it. a that's a great discussion. But I mean, we briefly talked about the Celtics, but let's talk about that series: Sixers versus Celtics. Two heated rivals. Um, it's been very back and forth thus far. James Harden has turned back the clock, showing that he's still got that Houston left in him. Uh, putting up 42 points in Game 4, which was an absolute thriller. Boston has owned every series against Philly during the Embiid era. So if they finally want to get over the hump, who will be the answer to their problem? Oh, uh, who? Um, oh, I see. So who's going to be the answer for Philly? Yes. Man, who's going to be the answer for Philly? I, it needs to be Embiid because we just gave this guy an MVP award. He's been talking about it all season. He wants to let you know that he doesn't care, but he also cares at the same time. And now we're putting, I feel like he's, he has to put his chips in the middle and make a run at it. I know he's not 100%, but Embiid needs to be the guy. Like, um, I feel like, I'll say this. I think MB needs to at least produce at an efficient level, but I also need to see um, Harden like be consistent. Because if you can have these stars be consistent and run that pick and roll and be able to outsmart their opponents and also use their physicality, I thought like they could be they could be a little a little tough on Boston. But I, you know what? I gotta give credit where credits due. Embiid's in battle of Al Horford, which has proven to be a tough task. Just ask Giannis from last last year. Um, and man, like the Celtics, like I feel like they have the Sixers figured out. I, I I'm like I don't know. I'm I'm just very curious. Um, I, I'm just, I'm trying to piece it together right now. Where I feel like uh, the Sixers, I wouldn't say that they're fraudulent contenders, but I I've always felt. A little confused with how they they performed in the playoffs as of recent because I feel like they've had their guys. I feel like um, somebody I'd like to see step up who could be an X factor would be Tyrese Maxey because that's the that's to me like when, when I saw his production earlier this season, he kind of reminded me of like six man James Harden where he is an elite scorer, super efficient. And somebody that could really dominate if they had more touches. So I feel like with, there's, with the uncertainty of James being consistent and Bead being healthy, I feel like Embiid may actually, I'm pivoting now, and, um, I feel like Maxi may have to be that guy to really step up. That's I pivoted a little bit, but I'm, I'm kind of on the Maxi side of things now. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's very valid. Um, I feel like Embiid winning the MVP, he is the captain of the ship. He's got to lead the charge offensively. Even if you're injured or not, you still got to step up to the plate and show the basketball world why you deserve to be the MVP of the league. 
But honestly, I think Tobias Harris needs to step up. He's only averaging really? 4.5 points on 47% from the field. And most importantly, he's getting paid $37 million. This guy's getting paid like a second option, yet he's their fourth option. And most importantly, he's been tasked with guarding Jason Tatum because they don't have Matisse Thibel anymore. So he's got a lot on his hands, obviously defensively, but still on offense, he's really just got to step up. And that'll only make James Harden and Bede's lives easier. And most importantly, that'll space the floor and, and have guys like Tyrese Maxey just spot up and hit a shot. And there, and a guy like Tyrese is very capable of that, as he's also a very efficient shot creator. So I think if they're going to beat Boston, Tobias Harris needs to come to play and um, just show why he's deserving of that $37 million. Yeah, I honestly feel like, who are we kidding here? I feel like the series, like, I, I, I don't know about you, but I really feel like it's in Boston's hands. I, obviously, they were upset last last game where um, they did have a lead towards the end. Uh, Tatum was absolutely incredible in the second half of their, of their game four. He was all over the boards, um, was creating his own shot. And um, the Celtics, I don't know, I feel like they just have championship DNA, and I feel like they're a team that could legit be a dynasty. I feel like the Sixers, like, this is a really big year for them. Like, if they want to be in that conversation, this is the time to do it. Like, I think they've maybe, I don't think they've made the, the conference finals in the last, like, what, five, six years? Like, in the post-process, like, actual time to push for the playoffs, they haven't made it to the conference finals, which I, it would be really big for the organization. So I feel there's a lot at stake. I feel like the the looming threat of uh, Harden turning back to Houston, going you know because he misses the club so much, the one where he got his jersey <laughs> retired. I'm sure he misses that one. Like there's a lot at stake for the Sixers, but I feel like Boston also is worried about Jalen Brown, um, who's arguably their best player in the series, um, and I, I I just feel like the Celtics have this um, and I, I'm very much um, on your way of thinking if I think it's going to be Boston versus Heat in the next round. Yeah, I think like you said, Boston does have this wrapped up. I mean, for game five, they're going back home. I feel like if they win there and if Philly wins game six at their place, I still think Boston's going to win game seven. I just think Boston is the better overall team. They have better coaching, they have more defensive versatility, and they have a deeper bench led by Malcolm Brogdon, who won six man of the year. And Jason Tatum is also probably next to yeah. him to win an MVP. Yep. And they, I mean, this Boston team, like, they've really stayed consistent with their roster. Um, they've got a lot of good veterans. And I, I really do think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's time is coming up. Because I feel like if the Celtics lose this series, Jalen Brown is gone. I mean, he already feels disrespected yeah. by the Celtics organization. So. I mean, for both teams, this is a really big series, but I got the Celtics winning it. Yeah. I want to say this last point about positionless basketball. I feel like we, we see Curry as the guy who revolutionized the game. And 100% has. I would say I give him like a 40% share of the positionless basketball era. Like he created 40% of that move to play like that. But I feel like there's a bunch of other guys that like, you know, LeBron, Magic, for instance, like, they're guys that at their size, they, well, they showed the world that at their size, they could basically be the, um, they could be point guards. They could be 6'8 point guards. Kevin Durant showed the world that you could be built like a center 
but be able to score off the dribble like a shooting guard. And all these guys have contributed to positionless basketball, and I think there's also some philosophies that play into that as well. So what the Celtics are doing that I like is that they have, so far in this series, they have no guy to average above. I think they have like six guys averaging between three and five assists per game. I feel like they don't have a point guard, and they're just like playing unselfish, drive and kick basketball, and it's all a harmony. Like I feel like that's something, it's like a very unique style of offense that might be the future of basketball, where it's not like one, um, they're, they're, they're a unique team where they're not a heliocentric team. They're not, they only have like one guy that's far and above um, getting a lot, like getting the most scoring touches. Like I feel like it's very balanced right now between Tatum Brown, Smart and Brogdon. And then there's guys that would just step up, like Derek White and Al Horford. And like, I just got to say, I, li- I like what they're doing, and I feel like they're they're uh, uh, they might be ushering in a new era of positionless basketball. I don't know if that's I might be a little early here, but that's just what I'm seeing. You know, I totally see what you're seeing. I feel like this Celtics team is kind of reminiscent of like a young Golden State team. You yeah. know, because like like you said, they have a lot of guys who are playmaking, and obviously like Draymond Green was a perfect example for Golden State. Obviously, besides Steph, I was... And also, Andrew Bogut was making plays for them, too. Um, Yeah, I mean, this team is very reminiscent of, like, a team like Golden State who revolutionized the game of basketball. It's like 600 million dollars. have realized is that, obviously, they're both ball-dominant guys, but if they want to win a championship, they have to feed off each other rather than just fighting over the ball. And they've done that successfully. And I really do think that if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think they'll rematch against Miami. That would be a great series. But from there, I think the NBA champion could definitely come out of the East this year, for sure. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but we're about to talk about this next series where there's two teams that are very well could be in the Finals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Nuggets versus the Sun series. Besides the Warriors versus Lakers series, I think this one has been the most entertaining. After going down 2-0 and losing CP3 for Game 3 and 4, the outcome looked bleak for Phoenix. But man, did D-Book and KD step up to the plate, winning both games at home and combining for 72 to spoil Jokic's 53-point double-double. Do you think the winner of this series will represent the West in the NBA Finals? Man, that's that's a great one because I feel like we... we to really understand that, we have to think about how the matchups would work in the next series. And I feel like right now, it's probably like 80% chance that the Lakers will be making it out on the other side of the West. And and right now, where I'm leaning is like, I feel like Jokic is the most dominant player in basketball right now, just offensively. Well, actually, I'm going to say this. D-Book and Jokic are the most dominant offensive forces in basketball, out, like right now. Devin Booker, I think he's he, he's on. There's a chance he could break some sort of scoring record in the postseason if he keeps playing. Because right now, there's only like only one player who scored more points through nine games in the postseason, and that's MJ. That's the only guy. Um, that's Devin an elite. Booker, that's elite company right there. Oh, absolutely, man. And Devin Booker, like Devin Booker's shooting. I think he can keep. I think he can keep doing it at roughly that rate. You know, putting up like maybe thirty-five points a game is pretty incredible. I think he can do something like that. But I, I, I just got to say, it's like 
this has been an absolute treat to watch. Like this might be one of my favorite series ever. Just watching the talent um, on display. Like the last game was just Jokic just exposing everybody scoring wise because sometimes we forget that he can score when he wants to and he's arguably the best scorer in basketball because of how efficient he is. He just did that, you know, 53 points pretty easy. Only missed 10 shots. And um, at the same time, we're just seeing KD and D book pull up jumpers, hit nothing but the bottom. And those are the type of shots that you can close out games with and close out teams with. And I feel like they just, they operate in two very different ways, even though they're duos where you have the shot creators versus the pick and roll maestros. And I feel like these are the two best offenses outside of Boston left. And um, I think that the winner, I think that the winner of the series could represent the West. Cause I, I'm just thinking about if Jokic played Anthony Davis, like, yes, Anthony Davis is playing great, but give him like two more, two more warriors games to get banged up, tired. And then they're going to face Jokic is just like, he's, he's going to keep you up at night. If you're a center that has to guard him. Like that's why, you know, Deandre Ayton is just like taking a backseat to Jack Londale at this point because of how dominant Jokic is. And at this, on the same level, I, I think I, I'm almost thinking I'm rambling here. But I'm thinking about what the matchups could like for look like for next series. Cause I think we could see a KD versus LeBron series, which would be very good for the league. But also Jokic is the next star up. He's, it's very clear. He could win a championship. Um, and I don't know. I'm just curious. Uh, honestly, this is just an example of the parody that we have in our league. And it's really hard to say who's going to win, man. I, I'm curious what your take is, and I'll bounce off of that. Yeah, no, you brought up a lot of good points. And honestly, the basketball fan in me would love to see a Durant versus LeBron playoff matchup for what, what could be the last time ever. It, it would be very reminiscent of like a Messi versus Ronaldo last dance. But I digress. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't think either of these teams will represent the West in the NBA Finals. And first, let me talk about Phoenix. Offensively, like you said, they've been unstoppable thus far. Booker has gotten the Kobe comparisons ever since he entered the league. And he's finally starting to somewhat fulfill those shoes since he's absolutely 37-2 points against the Clippers. And continues to tear up the Nuggets' backcourt, averaging 36.3 points to go along with 8.8 assists per night. Durant has also been sensational as well, averaging 32 points and 10.5 rebounds, but he's been inefficient from the field, shooting 46.9% from the field and an abysmal 25% from three. Even though the Suns have been resilient in these playoffs, they lack depth and defensive versatility, which will be their Achilles heel if they match it with Golden State or the Red Hot Lakers who've been firing on all cylinders. On the Nuggets side, Jokic has showed the world why he should have won a third straight MVP as he's averaging a ridiculous 36.5 points, 14 rebounds, and 9.5 assists per night. Jamal Murray, just like Jimmy Butler, has elevated his game in the postseason, averaging 26 points, 5 rebounds, and 7.3 assists per night. I think the Nuggets are going to win this series, but I just don't think they could beat the Lakers or Warriors, and this is due to Jokic's inability to guard the perimeter and, most importantly, stop the pick and roll. We saw a perfect example of this during the first round of the 2020 playoffs, where the Jazz were matched up with the Nuggets. Even though they won the series, the Jazz, they went to seven, and this could be attributed to the incredible play of Donovan Mitchell, who averaged 36.3 points per night, 
And one of the main reasons why he had his way offensively is because of Jokic's inability to guard the pick and roll. Therefore, if matching yeah. with the Warriors, I think Steph is going to attack this weakness. And moreover, they don't have a perimeter defender that can make life tough on him. Besides Bruce Brown, who's getting absolutely cooked by Devin Booker. And if they match it with the Lakers, who have a dominant big man in Anthony Davis, I think Jokic won't be able to dominate like he has against DeAndre Ayton, as the Lakers are a much better defensive team. And most importantly, I feel like LeBron and D'Lo are both elite at operating the pick and roll. And Jokic will have to pick his poison on whether to stay with the primary ball handler or stop AD as he's rolling to the basket for a dunk. So there's just a lot of variables mm. at play. I think the Nuggets could definitely put up a fight against either the Warriors or Lakers, but I think well, the, winner think? Of the Warriors-Lakers series is yeah. going to represent the West in the finals. Yeah. What do you think about, well, I have a little counter-argument, is that you'd be surprised, but Denver, this during the regular season, they led the third-best transition offense in it, basically in, in history since it's been measured about 20 years ago. They've led the best transition offense. They're one of the fastest teams. Because you see Jokic, and you look at him, he's like, oh, this guy, he's not that fast. But he's a seven-footer that surprisingly agile. I mean, not agile is not the right word. But basically, what I'm trying to say is they have an insane transition offense, very fast-paced. And that's something that I feel like the Lakers would struggle against. Because the Warriors have been given glimpses of that. But I think Denver's even faster. Because they've got... You know, Jokic throwing quarterback-level throws to Aaron Gordon, who's one of the best dunkers ever. MPJ is one of the best catch-and-shooters ever. Bruce Brown, who's going to do everything you need to basically win. He's the Mr. Right Now kind of guy. He's like Josh Hart. And then Jamal Murray, who can heat up. And mind you, this was a Western Conference, um, this was a Western Conference Finals only three years ago in the bubble. And one team... Has gotten, uh, has gotten more mature, more experienced, and that would be Denver. You know, Jokic has developed into an MVP level player, and MVP level players that are like this good, three time award winning, you know, potentially, you know, he should be a three time MVP. Like guys that are at that caliber, they're not something to just like take lightly. Like Anthony Davis is a great defender, but Jokic, at least in the regular season, he was abusing Anthony Davis. And I think that would continue. Um, obviously, Aiden is a very different defender than Anthony Davis. We can make that's very clear. But Jokic, his ability to adapt to whatever the defense gives him can make him pick apart inexperienced perimeter defenders on the Lakers. And I'm, I'm sure he's, it's going to be a chess, it'd be a chess match between Jokic and LeBron if they faced off. And I think similar, on a similar note, the Suns are a very fast paced team. They don't have much going for them on the defensive end. I feel like Denver's actually a marginally better defense. But I feel like playoff defense is very different than regular season defense. Um, and I feel like both, I think that Phoenix is a very much a veteran team. I don't know how Chris Paul is going to look in this playoffs. That's a big question mark for me. Because I feel like the, the Chris Paul of the past is one of the best point guards of all time. He's absolutely an incredible player for his size, but I feel like that's sort of catching up with him. Um, and I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Father Time is catching up with CP3 for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just. Um, I, I do feel like it's. We shouldn't count out the Nuggets because they've kept the last two games in Phoenix very, very close. And I think that if they win the next two games, get a little rest, I think that they could surprise the Lakers. No, definitely. I think. 
Also, the Nuggets are very well coached. Mike Malone is one of the best coaches in the game. Nikola Jokic is one of the highest IQ players in the game. And Jamal Murray is also very poised. And he's shown greatness in the, in the playoffs. I mean, in 2023 and also in 2020. I think if they do match up with the Lakers, they'll put up a better fight than Phoenix. I think the Phoenix versus LA series will be more entertaining just because we would see KD versus LeBron. And those are arguably the two greatest players of a generation if you don't want to put Steph in that conversation. Either way, I think it's a win-win as a fan just to watch either of those series. But I think Denver's going to beat the Suns and they'll face off against the Lakers and it'll be like a rematch of the 2020 bubble. Yeah, I would say that we have to understand this as fans is that... I feel like it's so easy for you and me to get glued to the players that defined, you know, our childhoods watching basketball, which was Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, LeBron James. But at this point, these guys are entering their mid to late 30s. And I feel like there are some other players that are on the rise. And I feel like the last few guys in the playoffs, um, you know, well, the younger guys that I think could really take over is Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, and Nicole Jokic. And I feel like as much as we want to lean on experience, I feel like these guys know that they're about to be next up. And I would not be surprised if they have insane performances and closeout games to really shock some of these teams. So, yeah, I, I, I think we have a really exciting playoffs ahead of us. And we've definitely got to run a pod after this, after this round concludes, man, this, this is a treat, a treat to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely Christmas has come early for us fans. To end the pod, I feel like I just got to ask you, what's your Eastern Conference Final prediction, and then what's your Western Conference Final prediction? I'm thinking um, it'll be Heat Celtics. I think I'm think yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm thinking Heat Celtics. I think it'd be a six game series, um, and I'd lean in favor. Actually, lean in favor. Uh, man, it's tough. It's so tough. The parody makes this a tough, a tough question to answer. I'm just going to go Boston, and then I think we'll see. I think we'll see Denver versus Lakers, and I feel like it's going to be the Lakers um, winning that because there are some powers that be in the NBA that would love to see a Lakers versus Celtics final. So I feel like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I would have to agree as well. I think in the Easter Conference, I mean, Jimmy Bowler's had a historic playoff run, but I just think the Celtics will be a little too much to match. But you never know, though. I mean, in the clutch, Jimmy Bowler has been that guy. So, but I, but I do have to make that prediction now. I got the Celtics winning that one. In the Western Conference, I got the Nuggets and the Lakers. I think the Lakers are going to win that one. And then, I mean... This would be super poetic, a Celtics-Lakers finals. The NBA would go crazy over that. I think if the oh, Celtics man. win, don't they tie the Lakers in most championships with 18? Um, I think I think that might be the case. Or Let's see. Uh, I think that might be tied up. Celtics-Lakers championship count. Yeah, I think. Well, wait, yeah, if the Celtics both win, at 17. They be, they're both at 17? I think the script is already written, man. I think we're going to yeah, see Lakers Celtics. I mean, the script writers are working overtime right now, and if it's a Celtics Lakers finals, I mean, I got LeBron getting his fifth, and that honestly might 
solidify him as the greatest player of all time, which was very painful for me to say. Took yeah, that, that, that hurts. Oh, man, that hurts. But I think, yeah, I think it's possible. And then we could also see a Tatum versus LeBron revenge match since they, they, they matched up that one time, Cavs versus Celtics. So that'd be another narrative to focus on. Yeah, I think LeBron definitely took that posterization by Chase and Tatum personally. Took it personally. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. We're laying the groundwork right now, man. That's what I'm saying. Really? I, I, we really are laying the groundwork for LeBron's fifth. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, overall, it's been a great, great playoffs to watch. I think the NBA, Western Conference, and Eastern Conference Finals are just going to be more exciting. Um, yeah, we'll never doubt parity, man. You guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into this segment of the pod. Quinn, as always, thank you so much for joining me. It was great talking here with you. Dude, anytime, man. I appreciate the invite. This is fun.